Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Attention, Ditto Heads. It's time for the Soul of Excellence. He is a radio host at 77 WABC here in New York. The Rush Hour is on the air. Rush, Rush. Now, here's Bo Snurdly. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Bo Snurdly's Wednesday Rush Hour. If you would like to be part of the program today, 800-848-WABC. 800-848-WABC. 9222, hoping you had a very beautiful, wonderful, special Valentine's night last evening. If you did and you want to tell us about it, (laughs) we're open. There is, of course, a lot of news in the headlines. Some of it ironic, some of it tragic, some of it Mildly humorous, depending on one's perspective. Also, the presidential contest. The 2024 race is in its early stages with the Nikki Haley announcement and the Nikki Haley speech. And Nikki Haley took a familiar line and adopted it to herself. She's asking people if they're tired of losing. And what she's saying is, look, seven of the eight last presidential contests, we have lost. Republicans, or the we in that case, have lost the popular vote. She says it is time to turn the page on the past and put their trust, voters' trust, in a, quote-unquote, new generation. We are ready, ready to move past the stale ideas and faded names of the past. If you're tired of losing, then put your trust in a new generation, and if you want to win, not just as a party, but as a country, then stand with me, she urged the crowd. Haley is at 4% in the most recent polls. DeSantis, 31. Pence, 7%. Trump, 43. I have seen articles that are already saying, well, Nikki Haley's not going to be the next president. And I'm always amazed at that. How do people know what, what events are going to take place? We don't know is the answer. That's one of the reasons you run. I remember back when my first lesson in that was with the Jimmy Carter race. They were calling him the little peanut farmer from Georgia. And everyone was like, oh, Jimmy who? That, in fact, that was one of, those were the headlines. Jimmy who? Jimma. 
But Jimmy Carter ended up winning and becoming the president. Now, it doesn't happen often that someone defies all odds and becomes president, but it has happened in history. And if it has happened in the past, it can happen in the future. We do not know the circumstances that will take place between now and the election. We do not know what events will actually shape the election yet. So for some in the pundit class to declare Nikki Haley's campaign dead on arrival is very short-sighted and not a real view of history. Let us see what happens. We have no idea what could transpire here. Now, Donald Trump didn't waste any time. He fired right back at Nikki Haley, saying, you know what, this is a person who wanted to cut Social Security. This is a person who wanted to cut Medicaid. He launched um, a digital ad basically tying her to Hillary Clinton and Paul Ryan. Hillary Clinton is an inspiration to Nikki Haley. It says Haley supported Paul Ryan's plan for entitlement reform, which is threatening Medicare, which threatened Medicare and Social Security. So already the heat, the heat is with Nikki Haley and former President Trump. Any thoughts? They are welcome if you'd like to weigh in. Senator Dianne Feinstein, we announced yesterday, had announced her retirement. Poor thing. Then went to talk to the press and didn't... Well, I don't know whether she did not remember, but it sounded like she didn't remember that she had resigned. She was confused. That made me wonder if she really did resign or whether her staff or somebody in the Democrats said, hey, let's resign her. She said, I haven't made that decision. I haven't released anything. Why are you people here? Well, (laughs) Scott, she did not say, where am I? Don't be mean. Diane Feinstein has had a long, 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 long career in politics. Long career in politics. She's been a senator since 1992. What were you doing in 1992, Scott? I was in high school. I was, uh, well, it would have still been the second half of my freshman year. What were you doing in 1992, Jason? I think I was three, so probably crawling around on the floor. How about you, Diego? What were you doing in 1992? I was unalive about six years from being born, actually. So you were in your last life, wherever that was. Wherever that was. (laughs) Yes. Uh Uh-huh. She's been senator since 1992, when she was in politics well before then. Nancy Pelosi called her a titan. But, I mean, what a sad ending to a long story. I mean, she, poor, I mean, this is, I I don't take any delight in, in that, by the way, at all. 
I mean, I disagreed with Dianne Feinstein on so many things over the years, but DiFi, you know. <sighs> Eleven days after a train derailed, authorities are finally getting around to telling people, hey, uh, don't drink the water. Eleven days. Eleven days. Eleven days. Don't drink the water. Don't drink the water. After 11 days. Hey, um, your government. Hey, um, listen, um, uh, maybe, uh, you, uh, should be, um, drinking bottled water. We're not, um, sure that the water, uh, like is kind of like safe for you to drink and maybe bathe in. So i tell you what, um, don't, don't ingest the water just yet. Maybe, um, just, um, go get some, um, some bottles, you know, like and drink bottled water. Okay. That's your government in Ohio. In East Palestine, Ohio. So I guess it's fair to say that this derailment amounts to an attack on the Palestinians. This is, you know, Pete Buttigieg, the transportation secretary who likes to float out pictures of he and his husband and their babies. Yes, they have babies. They have, they have, I think it's twins. He and Jason have twins. Don't ask me that question. I'm not going to answer it. But they do have twins. And he's been, you know, flying around his hubby on government planes. And he, Jason always runs to the media anytime somebody attacks Petey. Well, Petey's in for some tough questions here. If you look at what has happened in airports recently, never mind the Southwest meltdown. Has, has everybody forgotten that? The Southwest meltdown over the Christmas holidays. We've had a lot of near misses with airports on the ground. We had the blackout of complete services. Remember, they had to shut air traffic down for hours and hours on end. We've had rail transportation snafus. All of this under Pete Buttigieg's watch. And what is Pete doing? Pete's been out talking about the fact that construction workers are mostly white and how unfair it is for people in black and, and, and other ethnic neighborhoods to have to look at white people working in their neighborhoods when they aren't fairly represented. Never mind the planes. Never mind the trains and the buses. All the things that you would think a transportation secretary would be involved in. No, no, no. We have to worry about construction workers being one. This is Pete Buttigieg. Now, it wasn't a few weeks ago that some of the mainstream press were floating old Pete Buttigieg up as a replacement for Joe Biden. I want to see how Pete Buttigieg does. All right, a lot to do. There is a huge, there are some huge stories out here. 
I'm going to run through some of them. And we're going to have a guest later on in the week to talk about what I think is one of the biggest stories of the decade. And there are a few. And then Rhonda, America's small caffeinated mom, will be joining us a little bit later in the show today. Your calls are always welcome. So keep it right here. Boston Early's Rush Hour 77 WABC. We are coming back to you in mere moments. Don't go away. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. James Golden, known popularly as Bo Snurdly. This is The Rush Hour with Bo Snurdly. Rush. Joan Jett brings us back here on WABC Talk Radio 77. I live rock and roll. Oh, hey, though. So there is some interesting, before I get to one of the big stories today, the biggest ones, try this on for size, folks. A Democrat representative, South Carolina, Aaron Healy, took after a group called the Family Heritage Alliance. What was the issue, the crime what did Family Heritage Alliance say that upset Democrat South Dakota Representative Aaron Healy? They said that the safest place for a child to be was at home with a married mother and father. A married mother and father, safest place for a child to be raised. She said, get this, Democratic South Dakota State Representative Aaron Haley said in rebuke of that remark that the extremist group, Family Heritage Alliance, said this morning that the safest place for kids are in families that have a married mom and dad. What a dangerous and un-American belief. So, this representative from South Dakota says it is a dangerous and it's un-American to say that the safest place for a child to be are with married biological parents. 
That is now un-American. It comes from extremism. It is dangerous to suggest that a child's best safety option is with a married mother and father. This is what Democrats have become. The New York Times today, the old gray lady, has uh, an article that they could have run easily last week. They could have run it right after Joe Biden's State of the Union where he attacked Republicans for wanting to uh, cut Medicaid which was and, and Social Security, which was false. But no, they, re- they run it today. And they run it with this headline, as lawmakers spar over Social Security, its costs are rising fast. Oh, no. Say it ain't so. They praise Joe Biden for scoring early political points this month in his fight with congressional Republicans over taxes, spending, and raising the federal debt limit. He forced Republican leaders to profess repeatedly that they will not seek cuts to Social Security and Medicare. In the process, Mr. Biden, they say, has effectively steered a debate about fiscal responsibility away from two of the cherished safety net programs for seniors, just as those plans are poised for a decade of rapid spending growth. New forecast. And I told you this last week, so this isn't new. I told you two weeks ago. This ain't new. New forecast from the nonpartisan, <laughs> from the nonpartisan Congressional Budget Office set to be released on Wednesday are expected to show Medicare and Social Security spending growth rapidly outpacing the growth in federal tax revenues over the next 10 years. Let me translate that into common English, Social Security and Medicare are both going broke because we don't have the money from taxes to pay for all the people that are taking money out of Social Security and Medicaid. We don't have the money. They're going broke. Something has to be done. So here today, after the State of the Union is all but forgotten in most quarters, unless you're Chris Christie still moaning about Republicans having the nerve to answer and jeer at Joe Biden, a bridge too far for Chris Christie. The New York Times admits these programs are in trouble. Now, what should happen to a program that's in trouble? It has to be saved. Either there are going to have to be cuts or reforms to slow the rate of growth or there are going to have to be increases of revenue. And how do you get increases of revenue? Why, the answer is simple, you raise taxes. So either there has to be some serious reform or taxes are going to have to be raised if these programs are going to remain solvent. Or there has to be another legislative solution, like maybe privatizing some of it if people had the guts. But you can't get near these two programs because Democrats use them as an excuse to go fear-monger to senior citizens and make seniors think that you're taking away their Social Security. So nothing ever gets done. Here's another headline today. 
This one from the Daily BS, thedailybs.com, thedailybs.com. That's my website. Border Patrol, record number of Chinese nationals entering the U.S. illegally. (gasps) Say what? Say what, mama? According to Border Patrol, now we have a higher number of Chinese nationals flowing across the border like everybody else, like Joe Biden's open border. So you think about this. The FAA is in the news today because of all these recent uh, problems with the airlines. We have trains derailing and leaving toxic chemicals. The, The transportation secretary is nowhere to be found. And now, of course, the border, the border has been broken ever since Joe Biden was elected. It's gotten worse. What is the government doing right? Everywhere you look, problem, 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 problem. Okay, some of the big stories of the day. We've got Rhonda coming up, and I'm going to spend a little time talking about these two stories. Republicans, and I stand up and applaud Jim Jordan. I stand up and applaud Jim Jordan while I'm sitting down. Jim Jordan. Republican Representative Jim Jordan has issued subpoenas to big tech's names, the biggest names in big tech. Mark Zuckerberg, subpoenaed. Tim Cook of Apple, subpoenaed. Sundar Piachi, Alphabet. Andy Jassy, Amazon. Sata Nala of Microsoft, he wants to know the subpoenas, hey, save all your documents. We want to know about the collusion. Big tech working in tandem to control or suppress online discussions. This is huge. And it follows another report that I've been talking about all week, And we will talk to when we get the author on from the Washington Examiner about the conservative media blacklist. And RushLimbaugh.com was one of those considered to be one of the more dangerous sites. America's riskiest websites, 10 of them, American Spectator, imagine that, Newsmax, which DirecTV just threw off, The Federalist, American Conservative, One America News, which was also thrown off the air. The Blaze, The Daily Wire, Real Clear Politics, Reason, and The New York Post. All of these were put on a blacklist. Suppressed. And now Jim Jordan and the Republicans have subpoenaed all of the big tech head honchos. What about this? 77 WABC, Talk Radio 77, most known as Rush Hour, coming back. Right after this, Angie Bofill takes us into the break. The only thing I would wish for. This is from her debut album, Angie. We'll be right back. Don't go away.
It's the Rush Hour with Bo Snerdly. Goes by the pseudonym Bo Snerdly. Rush. Now, here's Bo Snerdly. There are so many comments today from men all over the world acknowledging the death of movie star Raquel Welch. Her death was announced today, 82 years old. I need a break of a Baker Princess back here on WABC. Time to hear from one small caffeinated mom, America's mom, Rhonda Schrock. Rhonda, how are you this afternoon? I'm good, James. How was your Valentine's? Uneventful um, and uh, good. I had most of my Valentine's celebration right here on the air. Last night was a work night for me, so. Well, you were that. playing some killer music, I'm just saying. I well, loved thank it. You. Good. Thank you. I had a lot oh. of comments about the music. Thank you. So, yeah. Rhonda, what's on your mind? You have an essay that we were supposed to do Saturday and we ran out of time. And uh, so what was it and what is it? What's on your mind? Well, um, it's actually posted up on your website, the Daily BS dot com if people want to read the full essay, but it was inspired by a news article that I believe you had posted there about the earthquake in Turkey. Um, way down in the body of that article, there was one little sentence, and it said that one of the survivors who was starting to pick through the rubble heard from beneath just this mountain of rock a voice crying out, I don't have the strength anymore. And it occurred to me that there are earthquakes of many kinds. Some of them we can measure on a seismograph, but other quakes that we experience, we can't measure on a machine. Um, That can look like a marriage that implodes, a financial collapse, a terminal diagnosis, the death of a child. And you just spoke about that, I think, on Monday. You have a friend whose nephew, 27 years old, if I recall correctly, just collapsed and died. Suddenly died. Yes. Those are the kinds of personal earthquakes that shake um, our tectonic plates and everything falls down on us. And suddenly we're buried underneath that pile of rubble and we're the ones crying out, I don't have the strength anymore. And I have been there, James, many times. Um, It's overwhelming. You feel hopeless when you're underneath that pile. And if you're an onlooker, you can feel hopeless, too. So I thought, how do we go about helping people who are experiencing their own personal earthquakes? And I thought about those rescuers in that country over the sea and how they just started with one boulder at a time, lifting it from the person who was right beside them. And it it took me back about 16 years ago, um, Grant and I had three boys at the time, and we unexpectedly um, got pregnant, and we were, I mean, I was almost 39 years old. I had had a very high-risk pregnancy. Uh, humanly speaking, it was the worst possible time for an mm-hmm. unplanned pregnancy, but we, mm-hmm. we did it, and I was working full-time. I was in, uh, he was born, I was in severe postpartum depression. I was working, uh, typing at my desk for hours, I would slip him in his car seat under my desk, rock his little car seat with one foot, press the pedal to play the dictation with the other foot, and type with both hands. It was such a hard time. An older woman from church 
who had raised three sons of her own, she saw my plight and she began to come over here one time a month, one day a month, James, and she would cook and bake all day long. She would fill my freezer with meals to pull out for later. She would make, she would take orders from the boys, whoopie pies and all the, all the baked stuff. She'd have those made when they came home from school and there would be dinner on my stove. It was one way that she knew to begin lifting the boulders off of me. And to this day, she still prays for all six of us every day. Wow. I what a beautiful know. story. Rhonda, she what a was, beautiful story. I only have one yes, question. I yes. and this how did you and Grant get unexpectedly pregnant? <laughs> I mean, you gotta know by the time you've already had to you know, kids, you already know <clears throat> if we there's a likelihood. Never mind. Oh, yes. Don't answer. Yes. Don't answer. <laughs> Let's just leave the story where it is. Oh, that's so funny. Well, nothing is 100% effective. I'll leave that there. Okay, now, leave that there, yes. I I thought of you, James, because this week, it will be two years ago that Rush died. And Absolutely. that has to have been uh, a type of a emotional earthquake for you. And you've had many others because I read your book. I mean, you've had cancer and stuff. And I was just wondering, looking back over those really dark seasons in your life, how how have other people come alongside you when you didn't have the strength to go on? And how have others lifted those boulders off of your back? In too many ways to mention. I mean, I, I have a beautiful network of friends and family, and mm-hmm. um, they are there when when you have trouble, starting with my parents. I mean, I you know, the thing about my parents, and this is why this woman's statement from South Dakota that American that that the safest place for a child is with a biological mom and dad, and she finds that un-American and dangerous. It wasn't dangerous for me. I had a mom and dad who loved me, and I remember being in trouble when I was early. Trouble caused by myself, and what did they do? Sometimes they lift the boulders off of you by being very, very straightforward, tough love. You got yourself yeah. in this. You're going to get yourself out of it, but. I'm going to be here by your side while you do it. Mm. Oh, that's other, beautiful. Yeah. I mean, in other times, you know, I remember I went through a really bad stretch when I was younger with with um, with um finances. And I talk about one of the things in that book that you mentioned about Rush, you know, and how Rush lifted those boulders off me before mm. I even worked for him, before I, we, we were friends. And so those kind of ah. things have happened um, to me in my life, certainly. But the other, but the biggest remover of boulders of all is God. Because oh. if you go through things and you realize, like I remember when I got diagnosed for cancer, right? I remember the day that I got diagnosed, the first time, when you first hear mm-hmm. that, that, that cancer word in your life. The first thing that, and I was in a urologist's office, and the first thing that I did when the doctor told me that the biopsy came back and showed this, the first thought I had, I said to myself, I wonder what kind of blessing God has in store for me. With <gasps> oh, wow. And you know, you know what? Oh. It turned out to be, in many ways, yeah, there was a lot of pain and there was a lot of whatever in, in the whole process, but the whole thing ended up being an incredible blessing. 
Oh. And part of that blessing was, and people, some people may react to this not kindly, but some of that blessing was that I was able to get treated at NIH. And mm. I know people with COVID and everything, with all this going on with Fauci and NIH. Let me tell you something. The people at NIH, the people that work there, the humans, not talking about administrative, I'm not talking about COVID. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the people who give their lives to work there. I have never yeah. had medical care on that level, and if every American had the kind of medical care that I was able to get at NIH, there is nobody that would complain about health care. Wow. Wow. Well, what a great attitude, and that is another thing. We always have a choice on how we're going to look at those quakes that come, Right. Is it yep. a curse or is it a blessing? And some of our greatest, our greatest blessings have come through the hardest times. And they, they really have. Yeah. That's right. That's the way. Look, I love this essay. You can find it at the Daily BS, and you can also visit Rhonda Schrock at Rhonda, tell us. RhondaSchrock.com. And that's spell your last name so people got it. Yes, S-C-H-R-O-C-K. RhondaSchrock.com, America's Small Caffeinated Mom. Thank you so much, Rhonda. We look forward to reading the full essay. Thank you. Thank you, James. Bye. WABC Talk Radio 77, James Golden, A.K. Sterling. We're coming back. Your call is 800-848-WABC, 800-848-WABC. Back with you right after this. James Golden, known popularly as Bo Snurdly. This is The Rush Hour with Bo Snurdly. Rush. The all-time Grammy winner, 32 Grammy Awards, but not the one she wanted. Beyonce brings us back on WABC. She and Mr. Z, crazy. Okay, I just saw a headline. Yes, I'm coming to your calls. I will take your calls one second, but I got to tell you this headline. Pete Buttigieg is laying blame for... The railroad crash in Ohio. Scott, you I'm sure you haven't seen the story. I did see that. I already saw the story. Oh, you saw it. I did. Daggone it. Diego. Guess who? Guess who? Guess who Pete Buttigieg is blaming for the railroad disaster in Ohio? Guess, guess. Um... Let me ask the question another way. Who do Democrats blame for everything? Trump. Yes. Jason. No. Who do you think Pete Buttigieg is blaming for the railroad disaster in Ohio? I was going to say Trump. You're right. So I Both was of right. you. <laughs> Both of you. This is unfreaking believable. Pete Buttigieg blames Trump for Ohio train demailment amid criticism. We are constrained, he said. We're constrained. What he's talking about, he says that the reason this happened was there was a 2018 law that uh, the Department of Transportation withdrew a rule proposed three years earlier back in the Trump administration to require trains carrying certain dangerous chemicals to utilize electronically controlled pneumatic blakes pneumatic brake, brakes systems. That was 2018. The DOT withdrew the rule. 
How long has Joe Biden been in office? How long has Pete Buttigieg been the, the transportation secretary? If this rule was so damned important, Pete Buttigieg, day one, that he and Chasen took over the Department of, of, the, of, of Transportation, could have said, you know what? We have to get this rule in. And they had Democrats in the House, Democrats in the Senate, and they own the White House. There is nothing that Republicans could have done to stop them from implementing this rule. So what does Pete Buttigieg, he-man, do? He just said, oh, it's Trump's fault. It's Trump's fault. It's Trump's fault that I was out talking about white construction workers and how there are too many white construction workers when this train was going and derailing and nuking East Palestine. Oh, these people. Blame Trump. If they don't blame Trump, they're trying to blame Ron DeSantis. They have two go-tos now. Everything in America is either Trump's fault or it's Ron DeSantis' fault. I wonder how long before they start including uh, Nikki Haley in that bunch, if they will. Let's go to the phones. Russell in Paramus, New Jersey, thank you for waiting. How are you, Russell? Thank you so much. I enjoy your show very much, and I try to listen to it as much as possible. Thank you. Uh, I'd just like to talk about the Social Security and Medicare that you brought up earlier. Yep. And uh, we we got to find some ways to fund this. And I agree the system's broken. Uh, however, one solution could be, because the Democrats like to pass big budgets of $1.4 trillion, why don't we just take a few billion that we send all over the world to protect their borders in some countries, to give them money to do nothing with, and take that money and shove it into Social Security and Medicare. How about that? Would that work? How about that? That would, that might work. Also, you might do this. You might finally get a look at the disability scams that are being run on Americans. Oh, there's something. You know, when Social Security first came, we didn't have all this disability business attached to it. And I'm not saying that people on disability are all fraudulent. That is not what I'm saying. But there are plenty of people, and I'm sure many of you know somebody that was collecting disability while they were leading a very nice life and not disabled. Let us go to Trisha in Connecticut. Trisha, how are you? I'm fine. Um, I call the Secretary of Transportation Buddha gag because it- the lies make me gag and the incompetence. Most He, like most of the people that Biden has in his cabinet and administration, are either incompetent or anti-American, anti-law and order, anti-common sense. Just like um, Governor Huckabee Sanders said, it, it's it's a fight between the normal and the crazy. I love that, and she was absolutely right. Trisha, you nailed it. Thank you. Quickly, Sonny, in Rockland County, get to your point really yeah, quick, please. Yeah, how you doing, Bo? Yeah, I was talking about the immigrants coming here to America, the Asian community. I really personally feel that the, uh, that the Filipino Americans coming here, they're, 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 they're way above everyone else. They, they speak our language. They're Christians and Catholics, and they proved themselves during World War II, the Korean War, if you see an elderly gentleman that's Filipino today, what do you see? Uh, uh, a military, a military ball cap, and, and and you know they've been the greatest allies with us ever since World War II, and uh, I think they should be given a, maybe more of a streamlined 
uh, becoming uh, American. Let me just say this, because I know a little bit about immigration. A lot of the issues have to do with rules going on in the Philippines, because so many Filipinos have left and they want them to stay in the country. So it is not just an American issue. Some of the issue is on that side. But um, I love everything you said, except we don't put religious tests on immigrants, and I don't think we should ever start that. But, Sonny, love your call. Thank you. I appreciate it. Okay, Don, you have 10, 15 seconds. Make a point. Yeah, uh, do they do they know where the Goodyear blimp is these days? Ha. Huh. Maybe over China. Maybe that's what China was talking about. We sent something over there. Don, thank you for the call. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley, it has been a pleasure to be with you on this Wednesday Rush Hour. We will be back tomorrow, God willing, for Bo Snurley's Thursday Rush Hour. May God bless and protect each and every single one of you and your families. We look forward to being here tomorrow, God willing, and seeing you then. Have a great night. Bye. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.